Hello, everybody. This is the Friendly Bear Podcast, where we interview some of the best and brightest traders in the trading community. Listen to inspiring stories and nuggets of insight from current and future game changers in the trading space. Listen and learn as we explore all types of trading niches with some of the best in the industry from a Friendly Bear point of view. Make sure to check out the Friendly Bear Podcast new YouTube channel called Friendly Bear Research, which includes all the podcast video content and supplemental screen shares. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider leaving a five-star review on iTunes. With that being said, I'm your host, David, a.k.a. Reverse Long, and this is the Friendly Bear Podcast. Let's dive in. What's up, guys? This is David, a.k.a. Reverse Long, and today I got uh, Jack Kellogg on the podcast, eight-figure trader, um, he'll all-around great trader. You know, I've been following his journey for a while, and uh, I reached out to him for an interview, but, you know, he's short on time. But recently, he... um. He had a, a a big loss on HKD, the notorious HKD, the China pump out of the Cayman Islands, and we're gonna we're gonna go in over that. And uh, with with the leftover time, we'll talk about like uh, Jack's year overall and some other things he's got going on. Um, so what's up, Jack? How's it going? Yeah, hey David, thanks for having me on. Uh, I've seen you've had some uh, some notable traders on the podcast. I've actually watched a couple episodes, so it's cool that um, you had me on. And just thank you. And I'm excited to kind of talk about this HKD loss. Um, first things first, HKD was definitely the, probably the most insane squeeze that I've seen personally. What about you? I mean, DRYS, man. Uh, I know you were you around in 2016. I, th- I think you were. Were you? I actually started in January of 2017. Okay, so right. So you didn't you didn't see DRYS. No, no, I saw DRYS. I had just signed up for Sykes and I saw it. I mean, I I was like kind of getting screen time, you know, like the newbie type of screen time. It's not really screen time, but it was, it was, I I saw it and it went from 150 to 120. And, um, I was going over it with David Hanlon. I don't know if you you saw that podcast, but, uh, he actually saw, goes on on demand with Thinkorswim and sees it in real time. And so I always thought that we'll never see something that comes close to that. And um, HKD, I mean, you, could, you know, of course, you, you have your take on it, but um, from from ten bucks to twenty five hundred, I mean, no one could ever in fathom that. I mean, the liquidity is not like DRYS, but like the percentage of how much it went, and like I don't remember DRYS like the borrow rate, but like you couldn't even swing uh, HKD. Like they just, it was a, it was a cr- crazy situation, you know. So yeah. They almost made it impossible for short sellers to make money on HKD whatsoever. Uh, I actually started I started watching it um, when it was around like 17 bucks. They did that big slam and then they flatlined it and then they ripped it up uh, back to like the 20s and kind of just like kept my eye on it from there. And um, then that one day it squeezed from like 20 to um I forget. It was like maybe like 80 bucks. And I actually uh, took a short overnight on that. Um, and it was just a, a small position. And the next day it flushed out like 30% and I covered. Um, that was a decent trade on it. So I thought that I kind of had a good feel for it. Um, and then it kind of uh, came back and set up like that breakout pattern that I like where it's consolidating between like 50 and 70 then breaks over that 70 level really clean 
And it went all the way up, I think, to like 120, 130 that day. Um, and one thing that like I noticed with HKD is like every time it broke a key level, like it had nice upside range, which is pretty interesting um, to at least see if you were trading on the long side. There was halt risk, but if you did buy the breakouts, um, it did pay pretty well. And considering each time it broke out, it was moving, you know, 50 to 100 percent. And once it got up to like that 200, 250 level, that's when I kind of got interested in shorting it. And I started shorting it. Um, I think that morning when it spiked to like 250 and then it kind of reopened down at like 180 or something. And uh, then I was kind of adding in that area and I had uh, maybe like a, a 200 average. And my plan originally was to risk that $200 level and just cut for break even. And this is where I first learned the stock's um, crappy nature to trade, where when it breaks levels, like it just, it's going to go a $10 spread and you're not going to want to cover it right away into the $10 spread. And then it's just going to grind you out. And um, that's exactly what happened. The first trade that I, I took on it um, ended up covering maybe like 230, 240, 250. And right from there, like I should have just stopped trading it because the illiquid spread made it almost impossible to trade. And my best traders are always the ones that are super thick, like AMC, um, Molin, Fannie Mae, like the, the stocks that are trading massive 300,000 shares per one penny um, during the, the volatile hours where you can get in and get out. Um because if you're wrong, you want to be able to get out without taking massive slippage because then that adds so much more risk to the plate that you're not really uh, expecting. And as the stock kind of the next day, as it kind of went up to um, 400, I thought that was just kind of absolutely best case for it. And at that point, I was just kind of shorting uh, with a wider stop because I didn't want to get stopped out due to the uh, liquidity. And ended up having to stop out again at like 450, 500 when it broke out. And thank God I did because it ripped another thousand percent. So it was never a case of me just holding and hoping for this thing to, to come back down and not cutting. Um, so I cut again that day. And then the next day uh, when I was at a thousand, I also thought that was best case scenario. Um And I shorted again at like eight, nine hundred. And I was actually up a decent amount. Um, and like, you couldn't really even cover on the bid. Like they wouldn't let you cover down in the six, seven hundreds, nor did I want to. Um, and then it just kind of creeped back and then I had to cut it at, you know, 900, a thousand and it went all the way up to 2,500. And, uh, from there it just got so spready where it's like a two, three, four hundred dollars spread, um, and took a couple more trades on it, but you just couldn't even like trade it. And, uh, at the end of the day, I did want to swing. I had a short on from like 21, 2200. And at this point, the market cap's like $450 billion, uh, which is just absolutely insane in valuation wise for a complete scam. And uh, yeah, my broker just wouldn't let me uh, um, swing my short position. So I had to end up covering it again. And it was just death by paper cuts where I would just take. Um, you know, a 30% loss over and over and over again. And by the time I was done with it, I probably had lost, you know, 100, 150% of the position that I was shorting 
with. And I did, I do think that if it was going, if it, you know, was going to roll over, it would have looked like MEGL today where it kind of just fades off on light volume and then towards um, a lower end of the range, they, they just kind of start selling uh, in China and just absolutely um, murder the stock down to 10 bucks where it came from. And uh, that was kind of the idea. And um, I have been doing pretty well in the China pumps all year. I know you just had uh, the laptop legend on, David Hamlin. And he he's awesome, Adam. He's really, really good. Um, big shout out to him. He's probably the best uh, China pumper trader. Yeah. I know for the most part. Also, Tim Lento is also very good at them. Um, but I've definitely you know, done all right on them. I would say I'm more around like the, the mid range on a grade of like how good of a China pump trader you are. And I made some decent profits on them throughout, you know, the IMT, uh, JCSC, LYT, ILAG, et cetera. Um, I haven't caught all of them, but I've caught probably five or six and I've made decent money on them. But then with something when HKD comes around and you end up um, giving half back of what you made on them, which is unfortunate. And HKD actually cost me like uh, about one third of my year um, net wise. If you're talking gross profit, because this year has been super high in fees, shorting fees, because everybody wants to short these China pumps and shorting is really the only thing that you can do. So the fees have been absolutely outrageous this year, um, in my opinion. So without, um, Shorting fees, I probably gave back like one fourth of my year. Um, so it's just unfortunate, but you do have to come to a realization that this year a lot of good big traders are red, uh, especially if they're long bias um, and don't short at all. It's, it's been a very tough market where things just have constant pressure and then like kind of random ones will squeeze and go up. So it's been a difficult year. And I know a lot of people that um, are red and I feel like the best patterns have definitely been shorting pumps, which was very similar to 2019. Uh, I had a, a slower year that year. That was like my first decently profitable year. But for the most part, especially throughout the summer, I was just shorting one or two OTC pumps per year, uh, per month. and that was really my only um, proceeds on the year. So after taking that kind of loss, you really got to take a step back and just kind of evaluate everything, realize that I'm still okay. I don't want to go into this revengeful, um, chaotic trading and trying to make my loss back immediately where I just need to reset, take very small gains, take um, you know, quick profits into to moves, whatever I'm trading and just kind of stay green, um, stay small and kind of build the confidence back up and kind of chip away a little bit at the loss um, by two, three, four percent of how much I lost every single day and kind of build myself back up to where I've recovered the loss through, you know, like a few weeks, a few months, part, only part of the loss, obviously, but um, no real plans to take some huge trade. Uh, if there is another China pump in, in the near future, um, just kind of sizing down on them because they have been tricky and just kind of uh, sticking to cutting if it's 
cutting partial if it's not doing exactly what I want and just being a lot more conservative of a trader because with these China pumps, you're almost taught to kind of hold on for a little bit and widen that risk, um, which is what you should, you know, give them room to, to kind of chop around and let the, um, the dumpers dump them out. But uh, just trading them a little bit more tight and smaller uh, I think will also help on me mentally because you always are very exhausted after those China pumps because it's a very volatile day uh, in the in the PL category. Yeah, you know, um, th the last China one that I really traded myself was TNON, and it was just uh, it's just very um, I had a lot of anxiety because I don't know if the broker's gonna buy back the shares every day you wake up in the morning. You don't know if they're gonna call the shares back. The fee rates are jumping up and down quite a bit so it's like indicating that there's maybe it's a thin you know it's tr trading very thinly and there's probably nobody buying it because it's being held by the chinese or whoever's manipulating manipulating it and you got short sellers you're competing against other short sellers so like with um hkd was that the do you think that was the case that like there's nobody buying this thing it's just short seller covering and you're you're shorting into another short you know and then the spread gets wide and you just lose control of it. Yeah, I'd say um, I definitely feel like there are some people buying, uh, plus kind of the manipulators just walking their bids up. And I would definitely say probably, I don't even know if there was that many like locates available for this stock because mostly every broker had it restricted and no locates at all. I think really there was only one broker and they were doing it pretty sketchy, I feel like anyway, with the way they were lending shares out. Um, so I don't think it was all shorts, but I do think that uh, the Chinese manipulators probably had the biggest um, impacts on it just by kind of moving the bid up and uh, kind of taking the ask away and then just then having the shorts kind of bid it up even higher plus covering into the ask and it just created this kind of this 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 uh crazy move where the market cap was able to go to 450 billion which um i thought was the craziest part of the entire move i remember when we were celebrating uh the first trillion dollar market cap on uh apple a few years ago i'm not sure the exact year or date but now here we are a few years later and we have a Chinese scam with zero revenue going up 400 to $450 billion uh, market cap, which nearly would have been 45% of Apple at that time. And I just think that's uh, kind of wild to think about. Yeah. Um, someone mentioned to me, I, I was like, man, is the SEC, I was talking to someone, is the SEC going to step in? Are they going to step in? And uh, they were like, you know what, the, the SEC, I guess, you know, there's no regulation on market cap, so it can just keep going. And I just found that, you know, that was just insane. Um, but, uh, yeah, do you think also like a lot of the, these other Chinese stocks that went up this year, like you said, this year has been kind of rough for everybody, but like, um, the Chinese scams were, were, they look really juicy and a lot, and a lot of traders have made money up, good money up with them up to HKD. So you think like that success with those and also the overcrowded, everyone's paying attention, kind of added fuel to the fire with this, you know, it's like. Um, because like, it wasn't just you, like a lot of traders, uh, a lot of good traders or a few good traders that I know, uh, they lost pretty, pretty, they had big losses on HKD. Yeah, I would say, um, 
the money definitely the money that the short sellers have made on the other Chinese pumps kind of added fuel to the fire. Whereas I know if I was in this situation um, without any uh, realized profit on the year from Chinese pumps, I probably would have only had a quarter to a third of the size that I was trying to short it with. Um, so if you kind of think about that and other people could be a lot more aggressive where they're, they're doing even more, but that just kind of added like three, four times the force um, for the squeeze, I think. And that's kind of why we saw like 100% squeezes instead of just like a 20 or 30% squeeze is just because uh, I think everyone was definitely using um, bigger size because of the amount of money that's been been made on some of these uh, China pumps. Absolutely. Um it's interesting to get your take on all this, man. It's really, really cool. Um, okay, so now how do you get yourself back on the saddle after like a loss like this? Because this isn't because like I remember you having a loss on the OTC mania. What like you were riding the wheels until the wheels fell fell off, and then like you know, you had that big loss, and I think that was like you know, you, you was maybe you switched to train listed, I think. I'm not sure. I, I don't re- recall completely, but like how do you get yourself out back? back in the groove again like what, what's your plan now like just want to get into in the, in the mind of jack over here with that yeah so i i briefly touched on it with just kind of sizing down and, and hitting singles for a while but specifically like regarding like the next chinese pump and whatever it's going to be it's just um being more conservative and also i think that kind of like switching my focus back to um seeing like different uh trading ideas where i've kind of haven't even looked at an otc all year and i also really haven't looked at uh, other specific setups that i've had that i kind of like exiled this year and now i feel with um we saw a huge bounce uh on the qqq and the spy so we're gonna see like if it sets up for higher and kind of starts grinding back up again i think we could see some some decent long opportunities and that's kind of uh, where I'd want to focus on if we did see that. If the SPY and QQQ starts fading off again, I'll probably um, just kind of remain dormant and uh, wait for the next um, big opportunity, whatever the China pump's going to be, if there's going to be another one, and kind of just see how that plays out and see. Um, but I think the HKD probably uh, ended a lot of um, – people who would want to trade these China pumps. So maybe the next one or the next few won't be as crowded. Uh, just kind of a thought there based on that. But last time I took that loss on that, that OTC, uh, the market pretty much was changing. So I don't know if this will be similar to that. That's what I'm kind of thinking where the China pumps will kind of go away a bit and we're going to start seeing like, uh, you know, runners, actual runners like we had, we had like AMC and ILAG and uh, a few others that this previous um, week and into this week. So we're seeing some of these, uh, you know, just trading vehicles start to get some volume and, and some movement. Um, like I said, we're just going to have to see what the overall market does. Uh, but we're going to see CPI print tomorrow. Kind of interesting to see, but I think the tone kind of will be set by September, October, November, and we'll, we'll kind of have a gauge for what December, January, February will look like based on the next couple months here. 
Awesome, man. Well, Jack, uh, thanks for sharing all those thoughts. And while it's fresh in your head, especially because it's going to be uh, good to look back at this, because this is like a, one of those monumental uh, stocks like DRYS that we're going to look back years from now and be like, man, remember HKD? It went from $10 to 2500 That's crazy. And it could be like, OK, let's you can Google it or YouTube, Google search on YouTube and you this will probably pop up. You know, it's going to be really interesting because like I know um, if. If a YouTube or this video would have been like for DRYS, I know it would be it would be one of those those things, those situations where like it's it's uh it's good to look back at it. But um, yeah, but yeah sure. th- absolutely. So yeah, thanks again, Jack, and we'll keep in touch, and hopefully soon we'll have you on for a, a more in depth episode about uh the mind of Jack or something like that. Okay, man. Yeah, I'm definitely down. That concludes today's episode. Make sure to like and subscribe to the channel on the platform you use. The Friendly Bear Podcast is hosted by me, David, where you can find me on Twitter at reverse underscore long. You can find the Friendly Bear Podcast at www.thefriendlybearpodcast.com, as well as on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, Amazon Music, and now on YouTube at Friendly Bear Research. Until next time, thank you for listening to the Friendly Bear Podcast.